true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, and this is Locked on Mizzou, your destination for partisan Missouri Tigers football and basketball talk. And my goodness, we've got plenty to get to today, don't we? Obviously, the big news in the college football landscape is that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have chosen to postpone fall sports and, most importantly, football season until at least the spring. That's what we're going to see. Hopefully, we'll have Pac-12 and Big Ten football come spring, but as of now, it sure seems very official that those seasons are canceled. I don't know if they can take that back, maybe change their mind, but it sure doesn't seem like they're going to. And for now, the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 are still staying the course, but obviously so much is still to be decided, and everything is obviously up in the air, as it has been for seemingly, well, not just seemingly, it has been that way for months now. We have a very much a lack of clarity that just continues to this day. And weirdly enough, since a lot of people are assuming that it's just a matter of time that the rest of college football will cancel their seasons as well, I've noticed some Missouri fans online are already asking if a canceled season might actually be a blessing in disguise for Eli Drinkwitz in what would have been his very first campaign. Well, I certainly have a strong reaction to that take. And also, you know what? There was a bombshell quote from one of the parents of a Mizzou football recruit about the previous regime, the Barry Odom regime. And I'm surprised that hasn't taken on more of a, that didn't go more viral as it were. So I'd like to revisit that quote quickly, but, but first I do want to clean up some stuff here at the top. Actually one thing here I do want to clean up at the top. And that's when I was doing my quarterback and head coach rundown of Missouri's opponents in the SEC this coming fall. Well, I neglected to mention one very notable name, and that is Jamie Newman, who is going to be Georgia's new quarterback this fall. Jamie Newman is a grad transfer from Wake Forest. And in his junior campaign, Newman certainly showed a lot of ability, throwing for 2,800 yards, 26 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. He also added a nearly 600 yards on the ground as well and six touchdowns on that part of the ball. So certainly uh, an interesting player coming into Georgia and a guy who at 6'4", 230 pounds, if he can show that he can do what he did at Georgia at Wake Forest, maybe even take it up another level like other transfers like Justin Fields and, and Joe Burrow and, and Kyler Murray and other guys recently, Baker Mayfield, other guys who've transferred into new programs and have taken their games up a notch. So it'll be interesting to see what Jamie Newman does. Obviously, he's an experienced guy, but at the same time, he's not experienced in this program. So I'm hard-pressed to know what to make of him yet. We'll just have to see, won't we? Because, again, I keep emphasizing that continuity is going to be a really big thing. i I got to assume that the teams that have the most continuity are going to be, generally speaking, the teams that do the best during this limited practice, limited interaction, and also just 
a time you have to assume there's going to be players who test positive and just your ability to be malleable is going to be really important in this season. So that begs the question, is Jamie Newman a part of that premise or not? Because again, he's a guy with plenty of experience, but maybe not as much of experience with his new offensive linemen and receivers and coaches as certainly would have been ideal for Georgia. So something to keep your eye on there, but certainly you got to assume that Georgia is going to beat Missouri this year. I hate to say it. So that's all we really care about, bottom line. Now, moving on to this idea that somehow it would be a blessing in disguise for Missouri and Eli Drinkwitz if this, if this season were canceled and not played at all? Well, let me first just say I do understand the premise because right now, obviously, Eli is enjoying a bit of a honeymoon phase and he's hitting on all cylinders. Him and his staff are doing a very nice job in terms of recruiting and I guess the assumption there is, well, if there's not a season, well, that means that we could carry that recruiting momentum through this recruiting cycle and into the next one. So by golly, we'll have two excellent recruiting cycles in a row. But to me, the premise there is that, well, obviously all of this recruiting momentum would be ruined if Missouri would go two and eight or three and seven in the SEC. Those are the two numbers I've seen throw out that would be considered disastrous by at least a portion of our fan base. And indeed, my previous breakdown of the schedule, I said really the only two games that you could on paper at least say are probable victories are against Vanderbilt and Arkansas. So two and eight, three and seven, certainly not out of the realm of possibility, but I also don't know why we would assume one of the worst case scenarios too because I'm not sure how likely that is regardless I just think that frankly kids these high school athletes are a little bit more sophisticated especially when it comes to analyzing football situations than we give them credit for I think all of our recruits are smart enough and all the guys who are currently on the team can do the math that yes Subtracting the four non-conference opponents that Missouri previously and originally had on their schedule and adding Alabama and Louisiana State, well, yes, that's going to change your expectation levels of total wins quite a bit. I mean, it doesn't take the biggest genius on the planet to figure that out. So worst-case scenario, let's say Missouri does go 2-8, and 3-7, and seven, something ugly on paper. Well, again, to me, that wouldn't be the worst outcome in the world. That'd be more like Eli going 5-7 and seven under that previous schedule, or 6-6. Six and six. I don't think anybody would con- consider his first season of 6-6 six and six a total disaster, so I don't know why we can't be sophisticated enough to adjust our expectations. I really believe that those kids can. And moreover, I think the people are making this, again, the blessing in disguise argument, I think you're assuming way too much. We've never actually seen this scenario, a scenario where a a season, it's certainly not in modern football history, where a season was canceled and then, wait, the recruiting momentum for a new coach in a new place, that's just going to continue forward? I, I don't know how we can assume that. Because if your assumption is that kids have 
such short attention spans that one bad season is going to derail Missouri's recruiting momentum, then how can you simultaneously also say that these same kids' attention spans are going to last for another 12 to 18 months total, whatever it might be? I just think there's a bit of a strange logical progression there to me. All right. And I want to get to that bombshell quote from the stepfather of one of Missouri's recruits. And also, Conzo Martin thinks that Jeremiah Tillman can become an NBA prospect. Do I agree? Well, I'll tell you coming right up. While most Mizzou fans during Barry Odom's last season at the helm, and really for his whole tenure, were a lot of times focusing on his lack of coaching acumen on game day. Maybe his his strange decision-making at times, strange use of timeouts or lack thereof, clock management, all of that stuff may have been lacking for Barry Odom, and certainly those were those were fair criticisms. But one thing I said on this show when Barry was ultimately relieved of his head coaching position here in Columbia, I really thought that his – inability to get people on his side and just his own personal interpersonal relationships with people at the university including athletic director Jim Sterk and former Mizzou coach Gary Pinkle was just as big if not the biggest reason for his undoing as anything that actually happened on the football field and to that point it really feels like Eli Drinkwitz has made a concerted effort to reach out to Gary Pinkle, first of all, one of the first things he did was try to establish a good relationship with Coach Pinkle. Also, it seems like, obviously, he's got a good relationship, better relationship with Jim Sterk just by the fact that, well, he was actually hired by Jim Sterk, unlike Barry Odom. So that, from the, begin- from the get-go, that created a bit of a strange dynamic between those two. But then on top of that, Eli's gotten rave reviews from high school coaches throughout Missouri from guys who aren't even necessarily have players that are Division I prospects. So he's really getting out there and, again, trying to establish these positive interpersonal relationships. And apparently this whole notion of interpersonal relationships also extends to the parents of recruits as well. And, again, As I said earlier in the previous segment, I'm surprised that this quote I'm about to tell you hasn't made a bit bit bigger waves on the Mizzou beat, but here you go. This is written by Mitchell Forty, son of Pat Forty, over at PowerMizzou.com. He's talking about Connor Tolleson here, the offensive line prospect from Jackson, Missouri, 6'5", 300 pounds, now committed to Missouri under Eli and staff. Again, this is Mitchell Forty writing here. Tolleson spoke diplomatically when asked if it became difficult to wait on a Missouri offer, noting that if Barry Odom and his staff had survived last season, they might have offered him in the spring. Chris Hall was more blunt, saying he felt Missouri strung Tolleson along. Now, this is me talking again here. Chris Hall 
is the stepfather of Connor Tolleson. Basically, it seems like he is the father figure in this young fella's life, just to give you some content, some context, I should say. And here's what Chris Hall had to say, quote, If you want to know the truth, they were horrible, he said of the previous staff. They were just promising this, that, and the other. Davis liked Connor and everything, but he would never pull the trigger on him. End quote. Now, the Davis there being referred to is, of course, Brad Davis, the offensive line coach under the previous Odom regime. But obviously, not a lot of kind things to say there about the Odom staff. Now, obviously, the context there is that, well, he may have been a little bit upset that his stepson didn't get an offer from them quickly enough. And, well, obviously, Eli and his staff swooped in fairly quickly and offered this kid. And frankly, if you're looking at how all of that played out, it seems like a good move by Eli and staff so far because late in the process, Oklahoma, Alabama started getting involved and kicking the tires on Connor Tolleson, as it were. So certainly it seems like a good move. He's a hard commit for the Tigers, has been since just before this whole COVID thing happened in March. So again... Barry Odom, it just seemed like his undoing, for whatever reason, him and his staff just may not have had the personal touch that at least Eli and his staff seemed to. I don't know. They're just There's something about it. Again, we had the, the story about one of the, one of the assistant coaches under Eli risking life and limb on I-70, driving through a s- snowstorm to check out and see how Daniel Parker was doing after his really horrific eye surgery and subsequent infection and all the stuff that that kid had to go through having his eyelid removed for a period of time I mean my goodness but anyway I digress a little bit here once again just to clarify my point is not really to take a big steaming dump on Gary or I'm sorry on Barry Odom or anybody like that or coach Davis or anybody from the former regime, it's just more to draw a positive contrast in terms of how I think Eli and his whole staff is doing right now. And coming up, I do want to talk about my thoughts on Jeremiah Tillman's professional prospects, especially at the highest level, the NBA. And also, if we got some time, I want to get to some thoughts on what I think fanless football just might look like. Well, Conzo Martin recently went to bat for Jeremiah Tillman, and frankly, I love to see it. I love to see the coach. I think Tillman is the kind of guy who needs a pat on the back on occasion. I think he really does care and plays hard, all that good stuff. If if anything, at times, he probably tries a little bit too hard, if anything. So the idea that Conzo Martin would come out in the press – and really just kind of motivate Jeremiah Tillman, in my opinion, by saying, I think this guy can make the NBA. I really do. And you know what? I would love to see it. I absolutely would. I've been a fan of Tillman. I've rooted for the guy for, well, it'll be four years now coming up this fall, hopefully. And I would absolutely agree with Conzo's premise, if. And there are several ifs here for Jeremiah. Well, first of all, if he were two to three inches taller 
and this were 10 years ago, now those are two ifs and one, but I think he would he'd be a borderline first-round prospect because Jeremiah is very much your traditional back-to-the-basket powerhouse NBA big man, athletic big man that tended to get drafted in the lottery to first round for years and years and years. But you do have to say that in the last few years or so, those players are becoming less and less valuable. Now it's all about, well, you, if you're not, if you're a big guy and you can't shoot three pointers, well, there better be some stuff that you're really excellent at. And first of all, one of those things would be a rim running alley-oop threat. Now, part of that reason is because, well, if you watch pro basketball these days, like I said, everybody needs to be able to shoot now. At least that's the theory. And and certainly I was an early advocate of this style of basketball. But it is still somewhat bizarre to me to now see almost everyone in the league playing this style. But regardless, it's monkey see, monkey do. It's a copycat league, all that stuff. So the reality is, is this is the trend whether you like it or not. So with all that horizontal space, that sideline to sideline space, if you will, that is provided by all the shooting on the court, well, now what teams also look for in their big man, if you can't shoot it, well, you better be able to dive to the rim and create that vertical space above the rim. Think Dwight Howard in his prime. Think DeAndre Jordan in his prime. Or Anthony Davis, somebody like that but for the Lakers. A guy who can not only is tall, but can has the athleticism and the ability to catch that ball in the air and finish at the rim. Well, bottom line is, I'm just not sure. I've never seen a lot of... Well, certainly Jeremiah Tillman's a really good athlete for a guy his size. I don't think he's the level of explosive above-the-rim player that maybe he would need to be to be a viable center in the NBA. Then on the other hand, obviously Jeremiah Tillman is not a three-point shooter. Now we have seen him, on occasion he stepped out, he's made a three-pointer in his career, don't get me wrong, but obviously the the amount of attempts has not been there. His mid-range shooting has been up and down, but I'll say his form doesn't look bad to me. He has a smooth-looking shot, but the idea that he's somehow going to be able to transition to being an NBA three-point shooter is frankly totally unrealistic. I just don't see that happening at all. Because it'd be one thing if he were, from my experience, it sure seems like guys who, yeah, there are guys like, say, a Kawhi Leonard, you know, a famous example, of a really excellent player. So maybe not the best example in the world. But certainly a guy who wasn't a three-point shooter in college who later became a three-point shooter as a pro well, what you notice about Kawhi, his college numbers, well, he was a really good free throw shooter, 75, 80%. So that, that sort of portended the ability for him to extend that range a little bit. Well, Tillman has shot 52% from the free throw line his freshman year, then moved up to 68 his sophomore year, then fell back down to 62 his junior campaign, his somewhat shortened junior campaign. That's for darn sure. But Again, if you're not going to ever cross 70% from the free throw line, there's no scenario in which I can believe you're suddenly going to be a three-point shooter. It's just not going to happen. 
And you know what? Quite frankly, now that I mention it, he did have a shortened season last year. He missed several games, double-digit games, in fact, because of foot problems. A stress, stress fracture in his foot, I believe. And as a big guy, boy, that's, that's always a concern to me. You never, especially a big guy, you're running up and down the court all the time. Just your feet, we've seen it for years and years. Bill Walton famously had his career cut short because of it, but you don't want to mess with foot injuries if you're a big guy, that's for sure. So I'd certainly like to be assured if I were a scout, somebody looking to use some draft capital on Tillman. Well, I'd certainly want to know his medical history as well. But you know what? I didn't exactly paint a very bright picture of Jeremiah Tillman's NBA future, did I? But here's the good news. I do think he's definitely good enough to have a long career as a professional basketball player. Now, it's not going to be in the NBA, but it's going to be overseas. Maybe the G League if he wants to go that route. But honestly, as somebody who's kind of from afar followed the career of, well, Lance Harris, for instance, a guy who went to Hickman High School here in Columbia, ultimately went to Kansas State and played ball. Well, I happen to have went to high school with his wife. She was a couple years younger than me. We were friendly back in the day. So, you know, I follow her on social media and it's just kind of fun to see what her and their kids and their family are up to. They're flying around, you know, that one season they might be in Greece, one season they're somewhere else in Europe. I don't know. It doesn't seem like the worst lifestyle in the world to me. It seems kind of interesting. In fact, I bet, I bet those kids are getting an, an interesting childhood. That's for sure. And certainly, Guys like Ricardo, Ratliff, you know, all the things I just, all the negatives, quote unquote, from an NBA perspective that I just said about Jeremiah Tillman. Well, you could have said all of those about Ricardo Ratliff as well, who was one of our great big men of all time in Mizzou history. And, well, he's played in Korea for years. He's played overseas in various places and made a nice living doing it. So, yeah, he's never going to be the multi-millionaire that maybe he dreamed of as a child, but you know what? He has a child of his own now, and I think, honestly, just keep grinding away. Keep doing what you got to do for your boy. And honestly, I think Jeremiah, he just keeps a positive attitude and just keeps working hard and do what he's doing and get that foot healthy. I think he'll have a long, successful professional career and a good life, just, just maybe not in the NBA. But, of course, I certainly hope that I'm wrong. You know what, since we're running a little short on time here, I guess we'll talk about fanless football and what that might look like in terms of strategy and all types of different variables. We'll push that one until next time, though. And speaking of next time, until next time, I am John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou. Mizzou.